Welcome to the videocast, A Regenerative Future, a videocast where we dig deeper into the solutions on how we together can create a more regenerative future. We every week invite inspiring guests who all have in common that they act on the solutions to create an even better world for all of us. So get ready to be inspired and get tons of concrete advice on how you can contribute. Today's inspiring guest is Hannelene Dahlgren. She is on a clear mission to reduce meat consumption by 30% uh, within 2025. She's a serial entrepreneur and award-winning sustainability influencer and has written three best-selling cookbooks. Welcome to the videocast, Hannelene. Thank you. What an intro. Yeah, a lot of things to dig deep into and brag about there, definitely. So I look forward to get to know you and share with the listeners. But if we start, where did you get your kind of passion and how has life prepared you to really be a fighter for sustainability, meat consumptions and all the other things you're fighting for to create a better world for all of us? Oh, um, not an easy question because, of course, like all our lives are are joined uh, by so many incidents that that shape us. But when I look back, I feel that I was kind of born a kind of a justice fighter, but I didn't have anyone in my life that I looked up to that was doing anything special for the earth. I was never in any like environmental clubs. I didn't know anyone that was that. But I remember like so many incidents from my younger years where when I saw something that I felt that was unjust, um, I needed to fix it. I needed to say something. I was the one that like spoke of but if someone was picked on, uh, I was always the one that spoke my mind, even though it might have not necessarily been the best thing for me personally that I said that out loud. Um, so I think that I've always been somewhat of a fighter, uh, but still I didn't really, I didn't know anything about climate, environmental sustainability issues at, at all until maybe I think eight to 10 years ago. So it's, it's quite new for me. Um, and at that point, I was working at Google as an analyst. I was a marketer, has always been a marketer. Uh, I'm turning 38 this week. So now I'm like, finally, very adult, I feel like I'm, I'm done with the, with the first youngest, youngest part of the life. Um, and uh, for all of those years, I was, I was coming, uh, I was marketing stuff that people don't need, basically, that's like the whole my, my whole career. I've been trying to sell stuff that people actually mostly don't need, you know, it's like, of course, you, you need to take a vacation now and then and you need to buy some clothes, but you don't have to do it all the time. And still, I, I used all my powers to get people to buy more often. Um, <laughs> and, and that kind of that, that that didn't I didn't never I never reflected on that. I didn't never reflected that this is my responsibility, uh, that people are buying more flights when I worked with like the big airlines at Google. Um, but then um, I think the one thing that stands out is uh, actually a friend of mine uh, that was a little bit more progressive, let's say, uh, than me. She stopped eating like 
everything, in my opinion. This was eight years ago. <laughs> uh, so she, she didn't eat fish, egg, meat, um, dairy, uh, cooked stuff over 40 degrees. Was, it, it was absolutely nothing left, I felt. And she was coming to visit me and my husband. And, and she was a dear friend of us. And we wanted to give her something to eat that was uh, in joint with her how she lived her life. But I had no clue what to cook. I was like, a cucumber or like, what, 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 what can she eat? Is that like a night vegetable? I didn't know anything. Um, so, but um, I, I'm very respectful when people do those changes. So I really wanted to learn like, what can you eat? And why do you have this perspective? Um, and uh, l long story short, she ended up coming to our house, picking stuff out of our cupboards and just creating this, um, I'm probably overselling it as the, the, the one, uh, the, the salads I'm making now, but like the most amazing salad I've ever eaten. You know? <laughs> uh, she laughs always when she hears this story. She's like, it was only hummus and some vegetables. Yeah. But for me, I never knew that like you can make this stuff out of what I called like nothing. And the, mm. and the fridge and in the cupboard. Uh, and that was kind of the, the pivoting point for me where I like, oh, you can actually eat stuff that has just grown off the ground and not doing that much to them and it will still taste good. And I felt like very good after the meal. Uh, and me and my husband was like, okay, we need to up our vegetable game. We need yeah. to like, come on, we don't, we don't get five a day. We only get like maybe one or two a day, you know? Um, so then we started off um, investigating a little bit more around this. Okay, so how can we do this? We set out six weeks um, that we wanted to only eat vegetarian food five days a week. We were like, we need two days off each week. Like, come on, you can't go from like A to, <laughs> uh, yeah, a to C at once. Um, uh, but I heard that six weeks is what you need to change a habit. So we said, okay, we're going to do this. And in that six weeks i saw documentaries i read papers I, like i filled up on all the information to be able to like wanting to do this properly like getting the real uh motivation basically and then i realized oh what the climate is changing because i eat this way why didn't anyone say this where is this in the papers like remember it's eight years ago uh, almost nine actually so no one was talking about this um and i was like okay so we need to change this uh because we understood during those six weeks that we could have better food than we normally had we felt better we had like more uh, challenges to our palate to say like it was so amazing and we we were just sleeping better and concentrating better like everything was better and still like no one else wanted to have us for dinner <laughs> right yeah. so it wasn't necessarily just a good thing because we're social people you know yeah. we want to hang out you want to go to the new restaurant in town with some friends and just have the specials and if we wanted to eat vegetarian food or at least plant forward food there was basically nowhere to go mm. um so I felt that, okay, so where, how can I fix this again? Like, okay, so I'll, I'll take this as my responsibility. I'll fix this. And I uh, naively thought that um, since I worked with the biggest uh, food chains in Norway in Google, and I was actually like giving them their 
I was giving them a lot of advice as an analyst. I was like, I'll show them. I'll show them the statistics from the US. I'll show them the plant milk sale. I'll, I'll just show them this and everything is going to change, right? It didn't, mm. uh, basically. So I started uh, this, I think, 2014. Uh, I tried to persuade them in 2015, 16, 17. Uh, and in 18, I was having my, my um, oldest or my youngest uh, child was born. So I had a maternity leave. And I was like, okay, so this is happening too slow. Uh, and then I realized, okay, so let me just try to write a cookbook that is taking all the things I learned the past four years into account. And I'm using the analytical skills that I have to really figure out what can get people to get on board because I wasn't unsuccessful with all the food chains. Uh, and I'm babbling now, I'm sorry, but uh, the, it's, it's a long story. Um, uh, but then uh, again, um, I wanted to just see how can I fix this injustice? Uh, so I gathered 50 test families that I knew uh, and asked them to cook the food that I had made at home and see what did, do you think? How do you like, how did this fit with your family? Do you find the groceries at your store? And yada, yada, yada. Uh, long story short, created a book that um, was an immediate bestseller in Norway and got 28 weeks on the bestselling list that year and uh, was the start of a whole new career, basically. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. And I can, of course, hear that you're passionate about what you're talking about. And <laughs> you could probably uh, keep on and on and on for hours. But yeah. I just want to take it as a bit back. Where mm -hmm. did you kind of uh, receive or kind of get that fighter spirit and that curiosity and that burning fire to jump into some things for six weeks? weeks i think that's maybe something that defines you in many other areas afterwards and so on so where did that come from well um i think that i've i've been uh, both uh, blessed and cursed with a, a a bit of a different uh, family background a lot of people has different family backgrounds not to say that but um i've had uh, um, some people disappearing like near people uh disappearing out of my life and uh, not death, but just because they were toxic. Uh, and this was in my childhood. Uh, so I think uh, it was very, uh, one of them was actually my biological father that I, uh, when I was 11, I cut all bonds with him um, just because it was not a good relationship for me. So I stood up for myself very early age. Um, I don't know why I did that and why everyone says why, and, and said at that point, like, oh, my God, you're so adult and mature. I don't mm -hmm. know why that was because I, when I look back, I'm like, how can an 11 year old actually be that um, adult? Uh, but it was uh, I've always been very, very of people are not supposed you're not allowed to step on other people. And mm -hmm. if you do that and you're told what you're doing and you're still not changing, then you're not getting a second chance, mm. you know? Uh, so uh, I think that has ch shaped a lot of things I'm doing today as well, that I'm trying to make things right from my perspective. Um, but um, in the way it might happen that I burn some bridges to say the, mm. to say it like mm. that. Yeah. 
And I also kind of really relate to and many of the people I have uh, as guests on this uh, video mm-hmm. cast, they say the same thing. There was some troubling, there was some relationships, there was some people not believing in you. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to fight and show them and prove them wrong. Uh, yeah. so I think that's really almost a trait that I see in a- anybody who actually yeah. have that passion power for something. So I think I must say actually yeah. just not to, not to interrupt there, but it's very strange because it's kind of the, the opposite for for me. So yeah. so my my biological father, I've never talked about this actually, um but he uh I haven't seen him for 25 years. Um but uh he actually believed in me from the moment I was born. Mm. But he believed in me so much that I knew he wanted me to be the prime minister of Norway. And then he wanted me to go on to be the the president of the United States. And he wanted me, I, he, he learned uh, or he taught me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's do it. Come on. How hard can it be? (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, well, he, he taught me Microsoft Excel before I started school. Wow. So when I was five years old, I got a computer. So <laughs> no, and I, and I turned out to be an analyst at Google. So something has happened uh, uh, positively there, but but he was very like he wanted to shape me into a winner, you know. Um, and um, uh, I'm not going to talk more about him because that would be not fair when he's not here. But I think in some way that made me not want to be a winner. Mm. I did not want to be the one that was the smartest, the fastest, the blah, blah. But still, I knew I had it in me. So I, when I look back, I see that I did a lot of things, especially when I was a teenager. That was very stupid. Like, mm. come on, you're so much smarter than that. Well, aren't we all in that, those years? Um, <laughs> but I think some, I, I was kind of rebellious against it yeah. because I didn't want to be like his protege of some sort like i didn't want to be that uh and then so in my 20s i wasn't the best at work i wasn't the smartest i wasn't the even though i had it in me Mm. so i think it kind of shaped me i wanted to like show him that no i'm not a prime minister i'm not um you haven't done that to me you know um but still um i knew always that i had the skill set and the courage I yeah. think maybe that's the best thing. And I don't have necessarily the skill set, but I have the courage to try. And that's why I learn a lot. Hmm. I think it's interesting uh, what you're saying, because you have talked about that courage before. And I feel mm-hmm. like I've always had the courage to overstep my own insecurity, but I've always had courage uh, kind of uh, paired with insecurity or not like uh, as good as confidence as I would like. Uh, to be because I had the opposite not believing and like telling yeah. me I couldn't do and stuff like that but still we maybe come uh, somewhat to the same result uh, yeah. and then I think where can you find some energy and passion towards what you want to make of a difference in the world is basically the question I usually like to ask myself and that can be of of course a lot of downs or uh, people you have been um, not kind of treated so well with, but that can also be in people, as you say, that really believed in you and supported you. So I believe like both sides can be a good uh, challenge of energy towards something you want to achieve. 
Yeah, and yeah. I know that a lot of people that has parents that are like wanted to shape them into winners, they can end up like drug addicts and stuff just because you feel like you have so many people are like expecting you to do mm. something well. Mm. And then you're just like, I, I'm not got, even going to try because I don't want to. I did never did drugs though, but uh, like that, that could easily happen. I think with that kind <laughs> yeah. of upbringing. Yeah. Um, but I think that, like as you say, I I'm very confident. I am, but I haven't always been that. Uh, mm. Absolutely not. Mm. Um, and I also have some insecurities, definitely. Mm. But I think I'm I'm lose. I'm or I'm not losing. I'm missing uh, one part of the. How can I say? Um, so a lot of people think that I'm very brave when I say or do stuff or are in the media talking about things. And I don't understand what they're talking about mm. because I think I do a lot of things that I, I feel that now I'm quite brave, but a lot of the things that other people are complimenting me about mm. is not brave to me. Mm. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. And I feel uh, many times I could do be 10 times more brave or a hundred times more brave. So I don't see, even see it as a small step uh, towards braveness, but then others were like, ah, I wouldn't dare say that <laughs> in front of so many people. Yeah. So I totally relate. But uh, if we track a bit back, what is your insecurity, Sanelena? Um, I think that uh, that thing that I just talked about, actually, that I feel sometimes that I I have some blind spots mm. um, where I feel very different than others. Uh, I feel like I'm not necessarily catching the um, the things that everyone else is catching. <laughs> uh, it's like when people are like, oh, my God, did she just do that? And I'm like, huh? That's not a big deal. Uh -huh. um, and I think sometimes I feel that why why am i so different like why do people find me so different mm. because for me this is just logic sense i'm very like fact oriented mm. uh and i'm not i know that i'm not a very uh diplomatic person mm. um i'm i'm like you know those uh, personality skills that we've all taken in the big companies uh where you see where are you in one way and how are you at work? Like where are you have to, where do you have to drag yourself up and where do you have to tone yourself down? And in the diplomatic sense, I have to drag myself up. So I know that you have to like make sure everyone is on board, make sure you're still open to questions. But I'm like, I'm more of a motorway kind of person. Like, okay, okay. Are we, are we on board? Okay, everyone, no one said something. Okay, let's go. Um, so I think that's my insecurity is where is those blind spots? Because mm. I know they're there. Mm. I just don't see them. Yeah. And yeah. I think uh, I would sum it up when you talk uh, that being or feeling different and not feeling kind of aligned with others mm. is where you can start to get insecure. I feel uh, kind of uh, that relates a lot. Uh, and then I wanted to ask you back to your rebellious period, because I was curious, what were the worst thing that you did when you tried to rebel? Oh, I don't know, but like my mom never knew I was like out partying. I was like, you know, just normal, <laughs> but like I, I was, I was early developed. I was out there. I was on like, 
I was on language trips, you know, those you have to learn English kind yeah, of language right. trips. That was a party trip. Uh, I think for four weeks I was um, in Malta and I think I was sober three days. Hmm. Like, come on, I was 15. <laughs> My mom doesn't know this, but That's I don't think she listen. I hope she doesn't listen then. <laughs> no. And it's, but it's crazy. Like, why would I do that? I remember like all the, 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 the after parties we went to, there was so many things that could have gone wrong, like with people that we didn't know. Uh, and I kind of knew this, but still did it, which was very stupid. But I got through it and um, like nothing very bad happened. But um, when I really hope that I have more um, control over my kids, I must say. <laughs> yeah. well, we all hope so, but uh, nobody yeah. gets it. So you can yeah. <laughs> accept it anyway. But what, what did you do when you grew up that you like, you, you kind of still feel in your stomach that was like, oh my God. Oh, uh, that's a good question. I think and I, I think I didn't rebel that much, actually. One thing is that I went to a friend of mine and we he was supposed to color his hair black. Uh, and I asked, like, if we could share that bottle of hair color. And yeah. then we both became a bit grayish. <laughs> and I just uh, tried to get my mom to pick me up, like, really late. So it was dark. But yeah. Of course, it's light in the car, so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't reckon that then, and then she was like, "Oh my God, you're gray! What have you done?" And then yeah. she ended up actually—I don't know why she did that—but she ended up going to the store, buying me more black color. So at least, if I would be black, I should be proper yeah. black. Oh my God. So I ended up going to my nephew's confirmation and uh, I was really tan then. I was uh, coming home from my vacation and black haired. So nobody said <laughs> hi to me because they thought it was a person from Spain or something <laughs> because I colored my eyebrows and everything. But, oh my God. Is that why you're into hats and caps now? You're like... <laughs> yeah, I burned my hair, so I got like so. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, I usually do it because it's kind of, I like cashmere and cold, I like yeah, uh, yeah. blankets and stuff like that. But then, of course, maybe also a bit conscious about like getting less and less hair. So maybe mm -hmm. in a transition period also to uh, get used to not having so much on my head. <laughs> but it's stylish as well. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's me. But then um, yeah. coming back to what's truly, truly inspiring with you, Hanna-Lena, is mm -hmm. that, yeah, you have done a lot on your own, but you're also doing a lot to change industries, uh, helping others, lifting others. So I want mm -hmm. to talk more about your vision and your dream for now, the companies you're building, trying to change a whole influence industry. Can't you share a bit about the listeners on the idea and dream behind that? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Um, so uh, the influencer industry, uh, probably a lot of listeners um, uh, not necessarily are very like, ooh, the influencer industry is so interesting. I need to learn from that. But um, as I came into this very strangely, just because I wrote the cookbook and then suddenly I was an influencer and, and started to, 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 to leave the brand and uh, posting things on Instagram every day. Um, I understood the power of that industry and how extremely important it is 
uh, if we're going to reach our sustainability goals to get that industry on board. Because um, when we grew up, the only where uh, only way you saw a, an ad was if you watched television or if you flipped through a magazine. But today we spend hundreds of hours every week on our phones and that's where you get you you get to see what everyone is using and that's where you get your influence so i can be influenced right now just to see the lamp you're having in your living room and oh i want more plants in my living room because i admire what you're doing and i see that you are having it you and then i feel like so i can see yeah, it is. yeah and also a lego uh, display because we're we're in the play floor in my oh, house wow. that is also my office yeah nice <laughs> yeah so you can borrow our legos if you want. <laughs> uh, yeah but like everything when you see people that much we never did that when we grew up we only saw celebrities when they were cast as a role or when they were um, like um, hosting a TV show. I remember one, uh, there's probably a lot of Norwegian listeners here, but Tande Pe, which mm. was a very big influence in the 90s. Uh, but we saw him on TV every Saturday, but it was maybe 20 Saturdays a, a year. Mm. And now you can see the people that you follow 10 times a day uh, you know like can you imagine the impact it's having what they're wearing saying consuming having around them but so, th yeah. then i want to kind of because it, it actually triggers me a lot because why is like influencers like kim k internationally yeah. or sophia lisa nationally getting like we vote with what we follow yeah. why is it like millions of people following those and we had that uh, kind of talk earlier mm -hmm. also but then people who are doing good trying to be, be make you become your best potential take good yeah. choices like nobody wants to listen to those i think that's because if you want if you watch the news and all they're talking about are how amazing other people are mm. Like, oh my God, this happened today. It's amazing how your neighbor is, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. How do you feel? You feel yeah. shit, right? Because, yeah. oh, why am I not on the news? So instead, we see all the stuff that are worse than us. Mm. So when Kim K are uh, posting how uh, her new operation or blah, 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 you kind of you kind of laugh it off a little bit. You feel mm. a little bit superior. And also you are a little bit inspired because she's doing something that is gaining attention. Mm. And even though a lot of people don't want to be influencers and don't want to like you all want all people want to be seen. Right. Mm. So I think it's kind of that peaker in us. We want to see how other people are living, but still we want to feel superior. Yeah. And that's why we're following so many bad influencers. And at least like when you're growing up in these days, yeah. you're, you're seeing how can you be cool online? You're not even thinking of oh, how can I be cool in the playground? Mm. You want to see how can I have a good profile online? How yeah. can I have the coolest music with my reels and stuff? And then you have to follow yeah. the cool people. But, but then, Hanna-Lena, uh, why don't you mm. become uh, even cooler and take some implants and some BBL? And then, then you can <laughs> get like yeah. billions of followers and then you can use it for the right cause. 
Yeah. Why don't you use the same tricks in the book as them? Yeah. Well, I kind of don't want to use my body uh, in any way, uh, marketing wise. No. Well, I think that we are in a, a changing uh place in history right now uh we've had internet for like 15 years as a big part of us maybe very big part the past seven years it's been like everyone has a smartphone not just like the kids um and i think that we are changing now into getting a lot of more uh, we're calling it influencers but it's more profiles it's more people that has an opinion uh, and that's what an influencer is, right? It's the people that have and some sort of influence. Mm. Basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like Trump is an influencer. Yeah. Uh, our prime minister is an influencer. Mm. You are an influencer. It's just that some people only live off social media. And that's what we are thinking about as an influencer. Yeah. But I'm definitely an influencer, even though I don't do any operations or implants mm. or show, I don't show my kids. I don't like show a lot of my personal life. I show a lot of my business life. Yeah. And I know that I could double my followings if I did that, but then I couldn't really talk about all the things that I'm doing now because yeah. then it, they would lose interest because I'm talking about those things that are important, but I'm trying to do it in a way that inspires people to get on board. Yeah. And I think that's the, yeah, that's the way I'm trying to handle this industry. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And then, uh, but you still went to kind of national TV in Norway and <laughs> shared something really personal about uh, some complications you have had after giving birth. What yeah. was the reason behind uh, that then? Well, actually, there was um, so so the the complication was that a lot of uh, or almost every woman uh, when they give birth uh, or when they are actually pregnant because that's the big thing, uh, they can get um, some muscles in their private parts that doesn't really work afterwards, uh, and they can like if they jump on a trampoline, run quickly or something they can like actually pee themselves a little bit and uh that happened to me as well as it does with 30 percent of norwegian women but no one is talking about it Mm. um and when i've i've been doing those exercises that you're supposed to do i've been doing everything my doctor said for so many years and it didn't work and i finally got an operation and when i talked to this to my friends and colleagues they were like oh Oh my God, I have the same problem. Mm. Can you really fix that? Mm. I'm like, uh, yeah, you can just Google it. Oh, I haven't even, <laughs> I thought I, I thought I was the only one. Yeah. And I'm like, well, huh? Is this, is this really something we're not like, can we talk about this? Because people are like, oh my God, they needed to vis- whisper it to yeah. me that they also had this problem. And for me, it's like having a broken arm, you yeah. know, it's, it's just a muscle that got torn apart and it's difficult to grow back without some help i love Um, that uh, making it normal and i think we're soon then uh, starting to close on elena and we're almost getting back to you just uh, said google it maybe that what uh, was you was what you said also when working at google so full circle i'm not sure but i also like how you kind of normalize uh female health but also health in general And I would say that what you're ending on here is an advice to everybody. Speak up when it matters for others or it matters for our planet. It seems like that's a thing you live by. 
and we don't yeah. need to share everything, but if it can make a difference, it's worth sharing. So I think that's going to be the conclusion of uh, this talk with you, Lena. It's been a pleasure to have you. I could dig deeper into your soul for many hours, uh, <laughs> but I guess that has to be another time. Thank you for coming. Well, thank you so much, Chris. And thank you to all the listeners out there uh, to listen to the podcast, A Regenerative Future, where we invite inspiring guests who all have in common that they act to create a more thriving world for all of us. So until next time, see you and goodbye.